Talk and Power, your motorsport and motoring radio show. Now on 88.5 FM, the valley comes alive. And podcasting across iTunes and talkandpower.com.au. Okay, episode 68 of the Talking Power podcast. I'm here with Simon Gonzo Travellini and I'm Nick DeCembri. We're transmitting through 88.5 FM where the valley comes alive and through iTunes, Stitcher and Spotify. Thanks for joining us, Simon. Yeah, it feels like my first episode again. Yeah, starting all over again. <laughs> it's I been think. that long. <laughs> you've only missed, uh, I think, two you've missed, that's all. I think it's, it's only two. been two. Yeah. It might be more. Oh, is it? <laughs> Oh, okay. Anyway. I'll have to check that. I thought it was only two anyway. What anyway, a, good to have you back. What a massive week it's of been, motorsport it's been. It's been absolutely huge, huge week we've had um, and uh, lot, lots to catch up on. And I, you know, I think a good starting point would be MotoGP from Silverstone. Do you catch the race? I, I, I've watched every race this season and Nick... You can't argue that in terms of motorsport, MotoGP is definitely delivering the best bang. Yeah, certainly. <laughs> certainly was. I must admit, um, I, it was going to be hard to top the week before when, when they were in Austria uh, at the Red Bull Ring, and I thought, no, there's no way they can top that. Well, they did. Oh, they, they did. They, they certainly did. topped it. Bit, bit of a tragic uh, start to the race with um, Zarco making a rookie mistake and Davizioso paying for it mm, yeah, quite yeah, badly. Yeah, um, you know, a bit of a tragedy considering the Quata- fact that Quattararo. Sorry, Quattararo. Yeah, yeah. Quattararo. Zarco was a bit later on. Yeah, his was, was yeah. probably worse <laughs> in many ways. Took a teammate Took out. But, t- yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, Davizioso. You know, his, his championship hopes are uh, done and dusted. I'd yeah, say I think now. It's all over now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Certainly. But uh, you know that they were starting to get some momentum there, mm. and I think that every time. Uh, Marquez has his pocket picked. It must erode a little bit of his confidence away. Yeah, I think so, definitely. So we've got a, a three-week break now until mm. the next round, so it'll be interesting to see how they go at the next round. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, big big win for... Uh, uh, for... Uh, Alex Rins. Alex Rins. Rins. Yeah, yeah. Rins. Sorry, sorry. Had a bit of a mental blank there. Um, the Suzuki rider. The, the you could clearly see the the um, cornering speed of the Suzuki. Hmm. Um, you know, leaps and bounds above the Honda on yeah. on the straight line. The Honda's definitely got the horsepower. Hmm. And uh, my favourite part of the race was just as he he got under Marquez, uh, just as they were crossing the stripe. I don't know if you've seen the replay. I must have watched it a thousand times. He actually looks over at him. Oh, really? I haven't seen <laughs> yeah. that. He looks over and, you know, I don't know if there was any gestures, any... any <laughs> I haven't seen it. I've got to look at that. Any finger motions or anything <laughs> there. But, but um, it's... Uh, I think that the, the rest of the paddock now, mm. when they have the opportunity, they kind of have this all or nothing attitude now. Yeah. You know, that if they can... You know, the thing is, Marquez normally gets that much gap on everyone that it's impossible for anyone to challenge him. Mm. But I think more riders are starting to uh, get that rhythm and be able to, to um, keep pace with him. Yeah. And then it's, it's you know, do you risk it all on that last corner? 
well, I mean, you know, there's glory at the end of it, isn't there? Mm, certainly, certainly. Look, I, I thought it was a magnificent race and a ride from Rins that we won't forget for, for a long time and um, probably needs to sharpen up on his maths. He thought the second last lap was actually the last mm. lap. So he kind of showed Marquez's cards, which and I was surprised that, that Marquez not fell for it, but he was able to do that on the last lap again. So... Kind of, kind of surprising. Just the cornering speed that the the Suzuki's got. Uh, I think Marquez has got a really good bike. He's mm. got a lot of inline speed. Yeah. And I think that he is a, a very uh, he's, he he conserves the tire very well. Yeah. Um, but you know, as the other manufacturers are starting to catch up now, mm. uh, the Ducati has always had really, really good inline speed. But you know, we've started to see. I don't know if you notice. You see the speed wobble at the Honda. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know that's. That's a bit of a worry. Mm, yeah. <laughs> you know, if you can't get the bike to go fast in a straight line yeah. um, without you know doing strange things, then you've got other problems. So I'm sure that they'll uh, be back at headquarters having a good look over their data and trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah. A lot of the bikes now switch to this carbon frame. And there's probably some sort of harmonic there that you know because when you when you're cornering, the frame becomes your chass- the, mm. your suspension, yeah. the actual um, swing arm and and main frame flexes uh, uh, when you're, you're in the corner so they might um, they might have a bit of work to do there but um, isn't it incredible how many manufacturers have um, shared the podium this yeah, year that certainly is a credit to to what they're doing over at MotoGP interestingly enough 60th pole for Marquez in 120 starts yep. so not a, not a bad record there Let's just finish up with Rossi, and where, where do you think he's at? Came fourth behind his teammate Vignales. Vignales showed him a clean set of heels, I, I felt. Um, Vignales, were, like, Vignales had a really bad start, mm. and uh, he had to work for that. Yeah. And, you know, to be able to drive around Rossi like he did, and, I mean, Rossi was to a certain extent blocking there for a while, um, you know... I don't know. Is it time for him to hang up the boots? Yeah, that's what I, I mean. You know, kind ev- of asking myself. Every round there is a sea of yellow, you know. So the support for Rossi is still very, very strong. Mm. Um, has he got another win in him? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, he wants that last championship so he can uh, uh, top uh, or not match. I think. I don't think. He, I think he needs to win two to top. Uh, is it August? Oh, yeah, Agustini. Agustini, mm. yeah. Um, I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, he's committed to the Yamaha. Mm. Um, Yamaha is... is uh, the, the bike seems to be a very uh, fast bike uh, on tight circuits. Yeah. Uh, it seems to be a very easy bike to change direction with. Um, it is the slowest bike in line... 100 percent in the field mm-hmm. um and that to me that's normally a horsepower thing yeah it also doesn't seem to have the best starts uh which is you know traction control and um so on so i don't know that if the engineers come up with something maybe but um at this stage i don't want to write him off mm. you know because he is the uh the hero i guess but um you know this i don't know if he comes back next season, uh, we'll just have to wait and see, yeah. I guess. 
Oh, we'll have to watch this place. I mean, his second place start was certainly raised hopes of, of many fans. He qualified second, so it's not a bad effort. Um, moving along to Formula One, um, tragic, tragic events on the Saturday just after Formula One qualifying with the death of uh, Antoine Hubei um, crashing quite heavily in the Formula Two race um, and dying from his injuries. Um, look, I don't want to cover that too much but what the one thing i did want to say was i was really disappointed with the coverage um most of the motorsport websites that i followed chose not to show the footage uh however channel 7 and news limited on their website chose to show the footage and again up until tonight they're showing it on the news yeah yeah, yeah i really have a really i have a major issue with that i don't see the purpose of showing the footage when someone dies i can understand that there's certain people that need to review the footage so if you're in a in a situation where you're part of the safety or a steward for the race then they need to review the footage if you're the team you need to review the footage i can't see why normal people like you and me have to see that i don't know i mean what i i mean you know that's just the media there's not really much you can do about that what i was a bit more concerned about was the fact that you know, we've seen all these changes over the last few years, the halo and so on, and someone still passed away, mm. which, yeah. you know, I mean, should we go back to the 1960s where we have open-face helmets and, mm. you, you, <laughs> you make, know what I mean? You raise a good point because the F2 safety, they run the halos as well. Um, this was a side-on collision. Uh, they kept split the car in half, but I, I still don't, the bit that I have the issue with is, is also the airing of the footage. I don't know why News Limited chose to do that. As I said, most of the motorsport uh, websites that I follow chose not to show it anyway. In that footage, I couldn't even make out which car was his. Mm. You know, like I had heard that it was a side-on collision that, yeah. that did the damage, but I didn't actually see a car split in half to the point. I mean, you see some of the um, old accidents, you could see the driver's limbs you know, clearly out of the car. I didn't mm. see anything like that. Yeah, yeah. Was it the car that ended up upside down? No, no, that was the other car. Oh, that was okay. the car that hit him. So yeah. his wasn't the one that was upside down, it was the other car. Nonetheless, obviously, if, you know, someone can lose their life from that, that type of impact, then they probably need to mm. have another look at it. That's right. Yeah, certainly, certainly. You know. Moving on, I mean, Esteban Ocon, it's great to see that he'll be back next year. Unfortunately, it's at the peril of Nico Hülkenberg. So Nico's lost his seat at Renault. Esteban takes the seat. Now, the one thing I did find out about this was he's still contracted to Mercedes, Esteban Ocon. So this is a lease deal to Renault for two years. So he'll be there for 2020 and 2021. Um, and it's I, I thought he was actually leaving yeah, they, Mercedes. Yeah, they RPM, but RPM said quite clearly that he was walking away from Mercedes. No, no, I've since found out he's still leased to Mercedes and they've relinquished him on a lease deal to Renault, which is great for the kid. It'd be terrible to see Esteban have a second season in the in the paddock. Um, and I'm really glad to see him make, make a... get up to the top tier in... in um, well, in Formula 1, obviously. Yeah, they, they, they really gave the impression that um, he was leaving... 
Mercedes because he couldn't see that he would be he, he expected to replace Bottas by now. Yeah, well, Bottas has got another year now. He's been extended another year, so I don't know if that's in light of Esteban being shifted over to the side. Anyway, we'll, we should probably cover off on that in another and then next week and just find out for sure. My understanding was that he's leased to them, but we'll get back to that. Probably a big question mark of Mercedes over their Spec Three engines, given the fact that Kubica had a massive, massive blow up on the Saturday during qualifying and also Perez um, who took an engine penalty and took back went back to a spec 2 motor so those guys Perez in their um, racing point uh, Mercedes powered car and Kubica in the Williams uh, which is also Mercedes powered both had dramas with the latest spec 3 engine and have had to basically go back to spec 2 so there's a lot of a big question mark hanging over Lewis's car and um, and Bottas's car for this race um, and I don't know if they turned the power down slightly because in qualifying they certainly weren't able to match the Ferraris there was no doubt about it um, and it was you know even clear during after even after qualifying that the the Ferraris were out horsepowering the the Mercedes even down the straight they had they had plenty of um, leg room let's put it that way yeah they yeah. certainly um, it was good to see Hamilton really had a bit of a comeback there with only two or three laps to go. He had a last-minute surge at Leclerc, but Leclerc held his um, stamina and, and got the win done. You've uh, been pushing Leclerc I Harrow for a long time. Yes. <laughs> you finally got the one. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah, look, one win. <laughs> I think there'll be many ahead of him, and Vettel probably didn't get the right strategy, probably out his tyre selection was probably three four windows not as good as Leclerc. three four laps laps sorry yep three four laps his tire window was probably not that great and um yeah it, it certainly showed at the end of the race um where Ham uh, Vettel actually dropped down to fourth position so yeah bit of a worry there for Vettel I'm not sure I'm not completely convinced Vettel's with it at the moment I don't I think he's somewhere else and a lot of talk in the paddock is still uh, centering around Vettel going back to Red Bull. So with Pierre Gasly losing his spot to Alex Albon, and, and speaking of Alex Albon, came fifth. So that was a great, yeah, great first outing for him in the Red Bull. It was good to see. But yeah, a lot of talk still with um, Vettel going back to Red Bull, but that's yet to be seen. All right. Well, look, we'll take a short break here, and we'll be back right after this. Okay, episode 60 out of the Talking Power podcast. I'm here with Simon Gonzo-Travellini and I'm Nick DeChimbri. Todd can't be with us this evening. I, um, transmitting on 88.5 FM. Where the valley comes alive. <laughs> and on Pod... Uh, Podtune. Podbean? <laughs> Podbean, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify. Hey, I um, caught up with the guys from um, Iconic um, Racing today. Uh, they are partic they'll be participating in the world finals for Formula One in schools. So that was down at Wesley College. So let's just catch up with the guys down there. Okay, it's uh, Nick DeChambry here from the Talking Power podcast. And I'm down here at Wesley College with Mr. Paul Sexton. I'm also here with Riley, Arav, Christopher and Kalen. They are from the team formerly known as Nebula Racing. And they have joined forces with... Another team in Mackay, Queensland, called Quantum Overload, and they have formed the new team, 
Team Ionic take charge for the Formula One in Schools World Finals. Thanks for coming on the podcast, guys. Thanks for having us. No worries. Look, um, probably we should probably start off with um, a little bit of a background in Formula One in schools. We spoke with you guys about 11 months ago or 10 months ago. So just for those listeners that didn't catch that podcast, can you just give us a brief rundown on Formula One in schools? So Formula One in schools is a holistic STEM-based program where teams of four to six students create a car, portfolio, booth, and other marketing things to um, compete against other teams in different levels of competition. So the main focus of the program is the car itself, but there is lots of other parts of it too. Mm -hmm. Certainly, certainly. So it's also all about marketing yourselves as well as, as a team and branding as well comes into it as well. Like as we know in the in the real Formula One, it's it's probably 60-70% of the business is the marketing and the, and the branding of the cars. So there's a, there's a component to that part as well, isn't there? Yeah, so we have to, um, with the marketing, the main part of the marketing is also to get ourselves um, some sponsorship from all exterior companies. So that's a huge part of the competition, managing to make sure we can actually go. Sure, sure. Now, thanks, Riley. Look, tell us, uh, the, the governing body in Australia is re-engineering Australia. We spoke with um, uh, Dr. Michael Myers last year in, in what they do and the, the fantastic work that they do. Um, so those guys have basically asked you to collaborate with the Mackay North State High School in Queensland to form a new team. Can you tell us how that, that came about? Um, so to make that new team, what happens is every year for the world finals, each country gets to send around four teams. And not always is a singular team best, as sometimes teams are strong in different areas. Now, this was the case with our team. Um, so Quantum Overload in Mackay, they were really strong with their engineering side of things and our marketing was very good. Mm -hmm. So Reengineering Australia decided to make us a collaboration team, it's called, to go to the World Finals. Yep, no, that's excellent. That's, I can see the benefits of, like, I mean, I don't know the Quantum, the Quantum Overload team that well, but I understood that their engineering capabilities was quite good and your marketing capabilities was quite good. So collectively, you can understand why the two why the two of you have been brought together. Look, big question, you've got the World Finals coming up, that coincides with the final round of Formula One as well in Abu Dhabi, so we're pretty excited about that. Um, tell us, you're going to the World Finals, obviously still a work in progress, but not just the work that you've got in front of you, but mentally, how are you preparing for the World Finals? Because you're basically competing with, correct me if I'm wrong, 55 different countries. Uh, so, fifty-five over, other teams. Yeah, sorry, yeah, but so over forty yeah. countries. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's been a lot of uh, work, and it's quite a big step up from the national finals, especially with the um, distance collaborating with the other half of our team. But uh, we have so we've been starting from day dot and constantly working to get ourselves ready. Um, we're just doing as much work as we can to get ready um, for the finals. Hopefully we can do the best. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't mind me asking question like without notice, but how do you manage? Because you've still got to do school. You're still um, doing other subjects in school. How do you manage your time around doing doing this and also 
doing schoolwork as well? Uh, we usually like we'll work on it at lunch and we'll work on it after school usually. Just like any breaks there are within like the normal school day, we'll just like work on it a bit. And like through, keep, if you keep working on it a bit over and over again, it gets pretty far. And you'd be surprised. And I know mm. some of us had to like quit productions and stuff. I know Riley had to, you know, um, take off his drama thing for this. So like through all of that, it's been hard, yeah, but it's working out so far. Yeah. yeah. No, it's exciting. Look, I take my hat off to you guys because it's a it's a commitment. It's a fair level of commitment to time, and like I know a lot of guys your age probably prefer to play footy or cricket or other other sort of sports and I, I would assume that probably it would be difficult managing um, other vocations in, in between doing this as well. So no, that's a credit to you guys. Hey, look, tell us a bit about the basis of F1 in schools. It's, it's, it's using the STEM approach, science, technology, engineering, mathematics. Um, are there any new features that you can tell us that you bring into the World Finals this year, or is it we keeping that we keeping that all in house? Um, so yes, we are trying to bring our own innovations to the World Finals. Um, some of it we do have to keep discreet, um, but essentially we're aiming to bring a great marketing strategy. So, for example, our pit booth, we've got some really unique and interesting ideas for that, and our car, we're trying to. Um, Manipulate the regulations just like in actual F1. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. Look, as all the teams do, don't they? I mean, yeah. <laughs> it'd be, you know, Toto Wolf, imagine having him here and sort of the manipulations that those guys do over at Mercedes and, and even Matteo Benotto as well, you know, the sort of stuff that goes on there. So, no, look, I appreciate that. Tell us that doing this brings real world experiences to you guys. And I, I see that. I mean, you don't need. You don't need to convince me, but can you tell us a little bit about some of the real-world experiences you have gained, not just in terms of compu uh, computational fluid dynamics, but the software that you've learned and how you apply that to the real world? Uh, from the engineering stand, uh, standpoint, we've had to learn uh, industry-standard CAM software, so SolidWorks and Autodesk uh, Inventor, as well as KeyShot for our renderings, uh, ANSYS for our CFDs, uh, as well as a variety of other tools to make sure we have the best car and the best representation of the car. Mm. Yeah. Uh, from enterprise side, uh, we have to be confident in Excel to make a budget and graphics for the pit display and website and social media. Yeah, but it's also talking to people as well, isn't it? Like, yeah. you know, yeah. you, you guys reached out to myself I know we met last year, and I really appreciate that at the podcast as well that you guys reached out to us and but being able to talk with people and potential sponsors as well. We'll get to sponsors a bit later. I don't want to touch on that yet. We'll we'll, we'll just hold five on the, on the sponsor uh, side of views. Talking, getting back to the car, can you elaborate on um, how many cars you have to build? It's not just one car that you're building, is it? So can you tell us a little bit about how many cars you actually build and what each car, what its purpose is? So we have to start with numerous different concepts uh, to finalise, you know, what's the best out of these different design ideas and approaches for a finals car. And at the competition, we have to have two minimum racing cars, so two race uh, car A, car B. But on top of that, we also have to submit uh, a car with the body, the chassis, as well as numerous backups and display cars in case anything goes wrong. Yeah, okay, yep. Now, just for our listeners, we probably haven't spoken about it yet, but just elaborate, the car is what we would call 
rocket propelled, I guess. It's 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 powered by a, a CO a CO two canister. Is that correct? Yeah. Yep. yep. So there is an actual element of, of um, driving as well that's, that comes into this. I know a lot of our listeners are drag racing listeners, so they'd be pretty excited about this as well. So there's a, the car's launched automatically, but also it can be, you also have a competition where you launch it manually and reaction time comes into that. Everyone's looking at Christopher, so he's obviously the man on the button, on the yeah. trans brake we call it. <laughs> So can you elaborate a little bit about that? So in the auto, it gets punctured automatically, so there's no reaction necessary at all. But in the reaction racing, there's um, five red lights, similar to the F1 competition, and it just extinguishes out, and then you just press the trigger as fast as you can. Yeah, yeah. So it's like really crucial. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And it is a lot like drag's track, in being that it's a straight track, yep. 20, yep. 20 meters long. Um, the car is, in fact, Tiny. It's um, you boys know the scale. Uh, two hundred ten two hundred ten millimeters long. Okay, so it's two hundred millimeters long. Um, scale wise, I'm not sure what that is to life size, but um, yeah, it's a small, light car, fifty grams. They can mm. do eighty k's in under a second. Yeah. You now, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. The record is set at point nine of a second, covering yeah. the twenty meters. So Roughly. obviously, you guys will be in that sort of. Well, don't disclose anything here, but. Do, do you guys do testing here as well? Yes. Yeah. yeah we were okay. testing that's, last week. Yeah, that's huge, isn't it? That's that's. I mean, just hidden the track from you when you came in. <laughs> no, no, no. I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect to see it anyway. But I think that's a huge credit to the school as well. I think that's amazing that the school puts that sort of infrastructure in place to to have a test facility here as well. So that's a credit to the school there. So you guys, what class will you be running in? It's called the professional. Can you tell us a little bit of the difference between professional and some of the lower tiers? You guys are obviously in the professional now. That's how you get into the world finals. But can you tell us a bit about some of the listeners that may have children or some of our uh, uh, listeners that are, that are younger, how they can get involved in F1 in schools? So um, F1 in schools, your school does have to be involved um, in the competition and facilitate you registering and that kind of thing. But um, in regards to the different classes, cadet class is available from year five um, and you're able to, um, what you do is you create a poster and you create a car using CAD. So mm -hmm. um, the poster's all you do in marketing for that class and you come in for one day of racing and that's the class. Unfortunately with that class you can't go to a national or international competition but it's still a great experience. Um, next class up is development class. You can go into this class if you've either participated in cadet class before or you're um, in year seven or above. So in that class you do pretty much everything that professional does. The two exceptions are your booth is slightly modified and you're, um, you're not allowed to do some certain things with the car such as 3D print certain parts or make your own wheel system. But yeah, and then professional class you have almost free reign on what happens. Okay, we'll have more from the students at Ionic Racing on next week's podcast. So be sure to tune in for part two of their interview. All right, episode 68 of the Talking Power podcast. I'm here with Simon Gonzo Travellini and I'm Nick DeChimbri, transmitting on 88.5 FM. Where the valley comes alive. You know, yeah. I, I used to be a judge on that. Really? Yeah. Yes, you schools. were. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yes. 
Yeah, there were well, Andy and myself used to. Uh, I don't know if Andy's going to be doing it again this year, or because the state finals are coming up in October. Yeah. So those guys there that we just interviewed, they're off to the world finals in Abu Dhabi in, wow. in November. Yeah. 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 So talented, talented Huge. kids. Yeah. Yeah, but it's amazing how much CNC equipment they got at schools these days. Oh, you, you well, <laughs> what they got at schools is nothing. Like and what and, we and had. It, it was Wesley College. Didn't yeah, it? that's yeah. correct. Yeah. 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 So great yeah, school. Speaking of top performers in the TCR, Will Brown, I, I, he he had an absolutely great weekend. Will Brown in the I thirty and Hyundai, Hyundai should be proud of him, and it certainly proved me wrong. Um, he won. <laughs> who, who, he, Will Brown, Will Brown, Hyundai, Hyundai the I thirty. <laughs> Look, these guys have absolutely coming home really strong. He won those three races over the weekend. Um, and at Winton Raceway, that was, for the Shannons Nationals. Um, won the, both Sunday races and came second on the Saturday. Oh, I don't think anyone can stop him now. I really don't. I think Dylan O'Keefe has got his work cut out for him, and I just can't see... You know, the, the beauty was Will Brown in the Sunday, the Sunday race opened up a 10-second lead. Mm. You know, he, he did not come off the gas at all. It was incredible. Why and, should he? Well, that's what he said as well. <laughs> he says, I'm not going to slow down. Why should I? 10.74 seconds in the Hyundai i30. It was unbelievable. So who prepares that car? That's a Hyundai prepared car. So it's a HMO car. Yeah. And they 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 basically lease those cars out to, to customers. So it's a Hyundai prepped car. And I don't think they do it. An absolutely magnificent job. And these guys are really... Um, Will Brown will actually be racing an S5000 uh, later in the year, um, which is the new category that we're seeing uh, evolve. And that'll be supposed to have already been out, but they had some delays with the chassis. Um, and he'll be campaigning an S5000 as well, which is an open... open yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a revival of the old Formula 5000 mm. category that they used to run, which yeah. is open... Uh, wheelers mm. with five liter engine that's correct yeah um, yeah which i think the original ones were were based around the brabham repco 5000 but i don't know about the new ones these these ones are based on the ford uh, five liter oh coyote. the coyote yeah, motor that's correct oh, wow. yeah, yeah. So, wow yeah we'll also have rubens barrichello um campaigning the car as well so looking forward to that well it's about time someone put one of those motors in something lighter and prettier than a mustang <laughs> I think that's fantastic. I'm really <laughs> waiting for you to say that. <laughs> I'm excited about the category now. Yeah, I think it'll be an exciting category. Actually, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Actually, I think you know, uh, Matthew Brabham will also be participating in that as well. So that's at Sandown next month, actually. But anyway, we digress back to TCR. I thought it was an awesome performance from from uh, from Will Brown there, and I, I just can't see him being beaten now. I really can't. No, he's uh, got a commanding lead, mm. and uh, they, they, they definitely have all the bugs lined out of that car. I think yes. they had a mind out before the first round, to be that's, honest That's with true. So he's got a 116-point lead with, over Dylan O'Keefe, and there's only six races to run. So, look, congratulate. Well, I, won't, I don't want to give him the... I don't want to put the mockers on him yet, but uh, I th- think he's done a, a magnificent job so far. The bend. The bend, yeah, the bend. The, bend. the bends gave me the bends. Did no. you did you uh, catch the Porsche Cup? No, I didn't, no. no. No, I only watched the supercar race. So so one of the owners of the bend mm-hmm. competes in the Porsche Cup. Yes, he does. That's correct, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And um, 
think his name's here somewhere, isn't it? It, it is. Um, he was interviewed regarding... Well, that's the, a bit further down the list. How we'll they managed to, to get the... Uh, Sam. Sam Shaheen. That's the one. Mm. How they managed to get the endurance race there. It's a massive coup, <laughs> that is. We'll get to that a bit later anyway. <laughs> Anyways, Scotty McLaughlin... Yeah, oh, there's, there's there's no stopping, uh, you know, Scotty McLaughlin now. He's matched Craig Lowndes record of 16 wins in a single in a in a single season. But what we're forgetting here is only August. Well, <laughs> sorry, it's it's the second of September as September, we record now. Yeah, but yeah, but when he, he recorded did that, this in, in, in August. In August, so it's an incredible feat. And I, I think you know the you know the Davy Reynolds and um, Scotty McLaughlin spat that's going on at the moment is is almost laughable. I'm not having a go at Davy Reynolds, but clearly I think he's trying to psych Scotty out. But I think Scotty's, even though he's only 24 now or 25, I think he's much, much more mature than that. Much more mature I, than I that. I just hate how everyone's saying that it's the car. Mm. You know, I don't think it's, even if the car has some sort of significance, that's a top-notch team, and that guy is—he's an exceptional driver. No doubt he, about he's it. He's definitely the driver, the pick of the bunch. Mm. I think that what was missing before was that they didn't have the top-notch team. Yeah, it wasn't so much that they didn't have the car; they just didn't have the team. Whereas, with the input from Penske, uh, I think that you know that's really made a big difference. Yeah, and um, you know, uh, I, I guess the the HRT boys be spewing a little bit but is what it is yeah. they got andretti now so yeah they, they do um and speaking of holden racing team or the triple eight team as well um they had their 500th race that that week as well so they joined the season in 2003 triple eight as we know them or when they bought out briggs motorsport and um that was on the first of september so 500 races later i think you know they've certainly done um the sport justice and themselves justice just going through a bit of a rough patch at the moment and i just can't see them even holding a light to to the the two must well certainly scotty's mustang i yeah i think um comes down to rectangular dollars there nick <laughs> <laughs> i think penske's got more than all roland does <laughs> <laughs> he, he certainly does. He certainly does. Hey, just speaking of supercars, while we're still on the supercars, uh, the Kisticki brothers had a shakedown today on their new Commodore. Um, the new—it's not a new Commodore, really. It's just their old VF Super Two car, which brand reskinned as a ZB, and they will be participating in the Enduro Cup. So they'll be campaigning that car for Bathurst and for um, the Queensland, the Gold Coast 600 as well. So they did some testing today at Norwell Motorplex and clocked up. They're allowed to do 60 kilometres. Yeah. Uh, they did 46, I think. So it's great to see them. Um, yeah, just look, I mean, they're XWA guys and we wish them all the very best, actually. So hopefully that all goes well for them. All right, on that note, we'll take a short break here and we'll be back right after this. Okay, episode 68 of the Talk and Power podcast. We're on 88.5 FM. Where the valley comes alive. And podcasting through iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud and Podbean. 
I'm just rummaging through this show bag and I've got the Mentos out. So. Oh, yeah, that's, um, yeah, that was the show bags we were giving away at Target mm. West. Very good. Cheerio to all Lucky those. Lucky I wasn't there. <laughs> be no Mentos in anyone else's bags. There'd just be some stickers and cards and stuff. <laughs> oh, I Anyway, we alluded to it a little bit earlier. Um, the Bend have secured... Let, let's just talk about... We'll talk about it in, ge- in generic terms. Supercar, their plans for 2020. Yeah. And there's a bit of a shake-up there. But one of them was the Bend Motorsport Park will be hosting the 500-kilometre Enduro that used to be at Sandown. So big Sandown coup. lost the Sandown yeah, big, 500. Big coup. Phillip Island's been dropped. That doesn't make any sense to me at all. And Bathurst is the first enduro. That's correct, yeah. <laughs> who, yes, who, who came up with this? Look, I don't think it's... Uh, Should have had the Mentos earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's very popular amongst fans and teams, to be honest with you, going to going to Bathurst first up. I, I can I can assure you that's not, not all good that well with, with a lot of the teams and even the fans as well. Well, you know, they've got a three-week break, so mm. after everyone wrecks all this stuff, <laughs> three weeks to fix it. Yeah, anyway, it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. But, I mean, that was a huge coup sorry, that I, I thought for the Ben Motorsport uh, Park, uh, the Sam Shahan, I think that's how you say their surname. I think they've done, you know, an awesome job I, there. They have done an incredible job. The, the place looks immaculate, but, mm. I, you know, I mean, I guess this is the transition from the X generations to the millennials where yeah. all sort of history gets thrown out the window yeah. <laughs> and rewritten. Yeah. Um, I liked the old format where Bathurst was the last enduro. Hmm. Um, you know, it meant that the teams were able to throw everything at that race, whereas now if they throw everything at Bathurst, they might have nothing left. Yeah, no, <laughs> certainly. I agree, and I, I think, but it's not, isn't there no history in Sandown 500? I was amazed to, hmm. to see that, that race go. And QR as well has been... Queensland Raceway have been, has been scuttlebutted as well, so that's no longer in the calendar for next year. Look, they're not saying that will never come back, but at this stage they're not part of the calendar. The other change for next year as well is that the the um, the Gold Coast 600 will be a night time. Mm. There will be a night time component to that race as well. Which I think that's going to be a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, Surface Paradise is very much a, um, a party town. Mm-hmm. Yep. So bringing the race you know, to the party, I guess, is going to really... I think it's going to be a good thing. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, you know, I think every time you have a new race like that, the drivers have to get used to it because, obviously, it's different to during the day. But mm. I think that'll work. I was just a bit disappointed that they dropped the um, Phillip Island and Sandown and, yeah. you know, shuffled the Enduros around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, certainly, certainly. I, I, I think that's... Um It'll be testing. It'll be interesting to see how supercars goes next year. Next year is a big year for them, and um, they've got to start turning the the turning it around because the TV rights that'll be that'll be due, I think, at the end of next year as well. And I think that'll be a real big test for them because they're going to be able to get the same sort of money out of Foxtel again. I don't know. I really mm. don't know. 
Anyway, the other thing was, um, yeah, as we mentioned, QR's been dropped and Phillip Island's been dropped. So, yeah, it, it's interesting because QR's been part of the... Since it's it was a raceway purposely built in 1999, it's been there and it's also the test track for a lot of the Queensland race teams as well. So dropping that, huge, huge news. Hey, Red Centre Nats, I don't know if you've ever been. I don't think you have, but I think, you know, one year we should probably head over there. I think there's a lot of stuff happening in Alice Springs at the moment. We got AFL going there. We had the drags. We had the opening round of the Andra series going there. And oh, the I've Red never Center been, Nats. but every year it comes along. I have a sleepless week. Oh yeah, because well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> people go to load their cars up and realise that there's something wrong. Yep, and it was no different this year. <laughs> yeah, well, see, it's kind of a double banger for you, really, because you had the opening round of the Andra series there, and you also, that was only three or four weeks ago, and then you've got the Red Centre Nats there as well, and this year was the first time they've actually had drag racing as part of the Red Centre Nats, and I thought that was a great a great incentive um, by the team at the Red Centre Nats to do that. Uh, fastest pass of the night was to Darwin racer Todd Knight, who ran a six... 99 um and also grand champion was it's a it is a stunning car it's a 68 dodge dart it was a magnificent car burnout master was warren gerriskowski my apologies warren if i've said your surname wrong uh in one tough hg that was a blown hg combo there and that was a pretty tough looking car he won the burnout comp so look it's great to see the team at red center nats doing a great job there as I said, I'd, I'd love to get there one day. I think, you know, there's a lot happening in Alice Springs these days. Right right now, there's a lot happening at my house with a two-month-old and an 18-month-old. Well, maybe maybe we can get there next year. <laughs> and and two very, very tired 40-year-olds. <laughs> hey, um, US Nationals. Look, as we broadcast, the US Nationals is not, not completed yet because they actually run this. US Nationals is now run on Labor Day weekend. Yeah, that's so right. So it's still, still taking place now. But I can confirm, I can confirm... Uh, that Brittany Force has sealed a uh, top qualifying position in top fuel, and she becomes the first female to top qualify at the US Nationals. So hats off to... Um, Is that a record? It was a record for the track, yes. It was a record for the track. So what's the, the 364.5? Mm -hmm. Yep. What's the... Um What's the national record now for fuel? I'd have to check. Hang on a sec. Let's have a quick look. Just, I haven't been... <laughs> there we go. Clay Milligan. So, 362. So, she's not far off the no, pace, but... Not far um, at all. And I can also confirm Wayne UBE is currently sitting in the 15th spot in the Santo Rapposada. How many cars did they... Uh... I think it was... Oh, it was... It was 20 plus cars. No, no. How many did Rapposada bring over? I think only the one. The one. Yeah, yeah. So, it's, it's a big... Big gig for those guys there, and let's hope you know from fifteenth it's going to be a tough gig for them. But you know they're they're in there. He's the reigning Australian top fuel champion, Wayne Newby. So it certainly is. It was a hard fought battle. It was. Kelly it Betts was. Yeah, right down to the wire. Yeah, they they raced it off in the uh, the finals. The Winter Nationals. Mm, Winter Nationals, yeah. Yeah, it was a repeat of last year, just mm. the result was the other way around. It was a pedal fest, wasn't it? That's correct, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it sure was. 
Hey, uh, in pro mod, we, I can also confirm Ricky Smith is still sitting in the number one spot for pro mod. So he must be happy with the rule changes then. <laughs> that had nothing to do with him. The <laughs> rule changes. <laughs> if you you go, have to go back a couple of podcasts where I think that the title of the podcast was NHRA rule changes. Uh, have a listen to that podcast and you'll know what we're talking about. But Ricky vehemently denies that he had anything to do with the rule changes. However, agrees with most of them anyway, <laughs> funnily enough. Stevie Jackson has dropped one spot. He's in the sixth spot at the moment as we speak. Interesting non-qualifier was Alex Laughlin and Jose Gonzalez. They failed to really? qualify. Yeah, yeah. They, they are out. Now, Jose's a turbo car. Yeah. yeah. And the other one's a turbo car too, mm, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Alex. Yeah, that's the guy that Stevie Fast was not terribly what, impressed with. What a shame. <laughs> Two turbo cars didn't. I don't, I don't think Stevie will be missing him either. If you recall, uh, probably six weeks ago, uh, Alex left him out to dry. In uh, Admittedly, it was qualifying, but um, yeah, left him out to dry and um, Stevie wasn't terribly impressed with his staging procedure, let's put it that way. What did he do? He left him out. him. Yeah, well, let, no, no, he left, Alex left him out to dry, so... Oh, yeah. he... Um his car was backfiring and carrying on like they do and wasn't getting the car into stage and then yeah so he's done a quite a funny video on it we actually played it here on the podcast so who's stevie fast yeah i'll yeah. have to check it out it's quite good so um yeah it'll be interesting to see how that goes so we'll have a full wrap-up of the um u.s nationals which is arguably not arguably it is the biggest race in the nhra calendar uh held over the labor day weekend all right, we'll take a short break here and we'll be back right after this. Okay, episode 68 of the Talking Power podcast. I'm Nick DiCembri here with Simon Gonzo Travellini, transmitting on 88.5 FM. Where the valley comes alive. And iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, where you can get us as a podcast, Simon. Download us anytime you want. 68 episodes sitting there. Ready Listen to, to us 24-7. Yeah, I know. Imagine it. I wonder if you played them back-to-back, how long that would go for. 68. Maybe, maybe the CIA could use that as some sort of torture <laughs> instead of waterboarding. <laughs> oh. Geneva Convention might have something to say about yeah, that. I know. Yeah, would, yeah that, that, that wouldn't that wouldn't augur too well. <laughs> hey, um... Some more sad news. We started off the podcast with the passing of um, uh, Antoine Hubei. Um, also, we had another passing this week, uh, Jessie Coombs, um, attempting to reset her own record, uh, the land speed record, that is, uh, for the fastest female on four wheels, um, tragically died in the Elvor Desert in Oregon. Um, she was 39 years old. She was trying to exceed 600 mile an hour. So the report at this stage is, well, I mean, there is no report with the cars. I'm not sure what's happened, but um, yet yet to come out. But um, sadly, she was um, killed instantly. Um, she was a former guest host on Mythbusters, The List, uh, Overhauling, Extreme 4x4, and the All Girls Garage as well. So, I think that uh, it, it puts what Roscoe's doing into perspective a little bit. Mm, yeah, yeah, it certainly does. You I know, mean, she was um, trying to go 600. He's trying to go double that. Mm, so, yeah, yeah. 
Um, Sad passing, anyway. Yeah, it certainly is. And uh, look, Al, yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's at those sort of speeds, you know, one little mistake or something goes wrong, there's not much chance for you know. You can have all the safety in the world. I just think you know that sort of speed, uh, six hundred mile an hour. I'm not quite sure what went wrong, but it doesn't take much to go wrong. And you know, it's very very sad indeed. Hey, moving along, um, Jamboree was running one on the weekend. Um, got a whole lot of results here. Um, in, can you elaborate? Did you speak with Dom at all? Did they participate? Well, I haven't had a chance to talk to him. Um, haven't heard anything. Mm. Um, normally, if I don't get text messages, that means that nothing exciting happened for them anyway. <laughs> fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. Hey, looking, we'll just run through the results quickly here. In extreme, Fabian Roman, um, he took home the Daryl Marsh Memorial Trophy with a uh, 793 at 173 mile an hour in a twin turbo small block uh, Mazda Capella. Beautiful car, that one. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, lovely looking car. Uh, so he's one extreme there. In modified 10.5, Carl <laughs> Herbert, there's the name I'm looking for, uh, ran a... Eight, um, four, eight point four eight at one hundred and sixty-three mile an hour in an RX three, um, and in pro compact we had our Kelly Betts. That was quite a stout pass, I must admit. I saw that 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 pass uh, in a twelve hundred in the Jet Racing twelve hundred Ute. I mean that's um, that, that actually looked quite quite um, controlled, and um, they got it down the track. It looked quite quite. Um, How quick did it go? She it was it did a seven zero in qualifying or the day before, but it ran a seven point three. But I know I know she went seven zero during during the event at some stage. Yeah, she she's been hovering around there mm. for a while now. I think when they took the car to America, they ran those sorts of numbers as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I believe that they're off to America very very soon. Actually, amazes me how many teams head over to the US now. I mean, mm. it's such a mammoth effort. It's so much time off work. It's incredible. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a huge effort. And we'll touch on it. Uh, well, I guess we can touch on it here, but we'll just get through the... We'll get through Jamboree's results, and then we'll just quickly touch on uh, Drag Week as well. Um, over in... Um, oh, sorry, the other thing I forgot to mention, I believe uh, in Pro Compact, uh, Rodney Rahim ran the lowest ET of the meet, and... It, for the far and it's he's become now the fastest 13b rotary in australia now he but, took the record back off a is it an olympian that had it i wasn't aware of that no yeah i believe the 13b it's one of their cars I, I, i'm still pretty sure it's a pack performance car but mm -hmm. um an australian olympian i can't remember his name or what he what he's in the olympian olympics for, for okay. but he had the 13B world record at yep. one stage there. Yeah, okay. All right. Uh, in Pro Turbo, we had Tom Bell taking the honours there. Uh, and in Factory Extreme, we had Nathan Hagenson uh, with an... Ex that was pretty impressive, 6.29 at 223 mile an hour, taking out the top qualifier, Joe Signorelli, in the 2JZ uh, Toyota. So... Um, Signorelli also claimed the world record for an automatic import 
in the second last round of racing. So great to see. Jamboree is still strong and still kicking, mm. I must say. Mm. And they also yep. had a live stream through OVO that you had to pay for, mm-hmm. which we spoke about at length on the podcast, which I will be doing, which I should have done for this event, but I didn't didn't get a chance to do that. So, um, yeah, they, they had great coverage. It was... They did show a few highlights, and I must admit, it was a very good production. And I think the Jamboree guys do a really, really magnificent job. I was, I was mildly impressed. Now, Nick, the the 350s. Yeah, I know you want to talk about this, so that's why I put it in. I, I just, I didn't know it was on a 275. Mm, yeah, it's on a 275. <laughs> yeah. Now, that track looked pretty pretty sticky didn't yeah it? when they were walking off the track it sounded like their shoes were made out of velcro <laughs> i did hear I they that rolled actually. out the velcro and they had velcro tires <laughs> uh, so loop and hook so you know in drag racing we're always talking about barriers which i, I keep wondering who the first person to run a zero second pass is going to be because <laughs> ultimately you know so the, the 350s have been a a barrier for the radial world, yeah, and um, a car that's uh, known as Bumblebee, mm-hmm. obviously yep. uh, from the um, uh, Transformers, Transformers movie. movie. Yep, uh, but it is an early model Camaro, isn't it? It's not a late model. That's no, a late model. What is it? It yeah, is a late model. Yeah, a late model. Oh, there yeah. you go. Mm. I, only, I, I only saw it from behind. So, yeah. oh, it's that kind of two thousand and ten. Yeah, model. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, so. Um, Supercharged car. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, went out there and he ran a, a three fifty nine, breaking the the three fifty barrier mm-hmm. on a two seven five yep. drag radial tire two seven five sixty fifteen. So this is a tire that would fit most cars out there. Commodores yep. certainly. Yep. Um, Mustangs. Mm-hmm. Mustangs have got plenty of room under the back there. Yep. Nice wide bum on those things. <laughs> you could put a three four five under there, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but. Watching the video, the track, it, it yeah, I, I mean, to me, it, it sounded like even when they were walking off, like... Uh, There's a lot of glue down there. Was, there. Yeah. 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 This is Darlington Raceway we're referring to here as well. So, um, look, I don't know, yeah, that, that was the day before in testing, and they ran 50s, I think, most of the, most of the events. So he took home the $5,000. Their hashtag was Be Legendary, and he was. He certainly was. <laughs> he was. <laughs> the event, interestingly enough, wasn't just a radio event. It was it was 275, all 28 by 10.5-inch slick. So you were allowed to use both. The rules were pretty simple. Anything with doors, no wheelie bars. On a 275 radial. No or, minimum weight. No. Nah. No, nah, on a 25 by 10.5 inch six. So it was uh, interesting to see. I know that's shaken, uh, was really shaking up the, the radial world. And given the fact that we're on the verge of No Mercy 10 in next month, um, I can't. These guys are definitely going to note they have committed to No Mercy 10. Looking forward to seeing them there. He went a six one nine. That was his his quarter mile time. Mm-hmm. I didn't catch what the um, the mile an hour was, but um, that's incredible. Three fifty nine. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no doubt about it. Yep. No, nah, no doubt about it. So, do you think Donald Long is going to change the weight break now? 
Not for No Mercy, he won't. No, no, everything will remain the same for No Mercy. Sweet 16 may be different. He's got till March to decide what he's doing there. So he's actually got, to be honest with you, he's got lights out lights out 11 first in February, and then he'll have the Sweet 16. I doubt whether he'll change a weight break for lights out, but maybe for Sweet 16. It'd be interesting. He won't want to try and get a quicker run at his event. Yeah, possibly. I, I, I don't know. Don't know. It'd be interesting to see how how it plays out. But I know he's definitely going to no mercy this car. They've committed to doing yep. that. So be good to see how those guys go. All right. Well, we'll take a short break there, and we'll be back right after this. Okay, episode 68 of the Talking Power podcast, transmitting on 88.5 FM. Where the valley comes alive. And podcasting through iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Hey, Simon, some big changes for the Australian Racing Group. Um, mm. Some big, big changes here, actually, and we should really be watching these guys. They've just acquired TCM as well, so that's Touring Car Masters for those... Uh, they didn't know, and also they have um, acquired the Bathurst Six Hour as well. So, I, when I looked into this, I didn't realise who was involved at ARG, and they are Wilson Security Boss John McMillan, um, Matt Braid, who's ex Supercars Managing Director. But this is the one that really shocked me: the newest. Managing Director or CEO, as you want to call him, James Warburton of the Seven Media, Seven West Media Group, also is uh, involved with the ARG. So uh, James Warburton came from Supercars. He was the ex CEO at Supercars and did a stint at APN, the you know the electronic signs mob, and then now is is uh, managing. Well, Chief Executive Officer for Kerry Stokes. Stokes' right-hand man. He is Stokes' <coughs> right-hand man, but he's also involved in ARG. Now, they have just acquired um, the Touring Car Masters. Um, they also own TCR Australia, the S5000. Um, their portfolio is growing at a rapid rate. They are going to squash the supercars. <laughs> do you reckon that's what they're out to do? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah, okay. They are gonna. So if you're out there and you're thinking about buying a supercar franchise, don't. Yeah, don't do it. Better off getting a Tirana or something. <laughs> no, Hyundai i thirty. No, no, no. TC in the TCM as well. I mean, you know, we get it. Uh, the TCR uh, is going to be the new supercars. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I I agree with you actually, but I just think it's a this. They're coming from a long way back, but they are and coming. The, aren't I, they? And I, I'll tell you what, Nick. I know what the next evolution is. What's With that? all the millennials not getting their licenses now, what's going to happen is they're going to have buses going around the track, mm-hmm. and you you get on. That's the pit stop. You get on the bus. <laughs> oh God! They're going to be autonomous buses, <laughs> and you'll be able to vote. With your phone as to whether they overtake or not, <laughs> but you have to be on board. Look, it's really interesting to see this Australian racing group evolve, and I think you know there's some big, big, big news coming their way. It'd be interesting to see. Um, 
Listen, don't worry about that. The big news is Race Wars 2020 is on. That is on again, yes. Race Wars is on again for 2020. So their official launch date for Race Wars 2020 will be the 10th of September. So tune in on Facebook there or their website. Um, It's great to see the event come back. um, And we will endeavour to get down there again for 2020. Um, I was going to ask if Todd was here, if the Evo would be ready, because that seems to be taking some time. He'll be, he'll be tuned in and listening to that, Todd. So, speaking of high-speed events, mm. I want all our listeners out there mm. to look up a guy by the name of Johnny Metric. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the EV drag racing record, you know, was just recently set by Don Garlitz. Yep. It's a sham. Is it? Johnny Metric smashed that record years ago. All oh, right. Now, I've been starting work at uh, three, four o'clock in the morning, and I've, I've, I knew of this uh, record. I'd watched the pass a number of times. I'd shown you the pass. It's called Panic in Detroit. Oh, is that one where the motor turns the molten lava? <laughs> That's the one. Yes, I've seen four that. motors. Four <laughs> motors, right? Anyway, so I tracked him down. He owns a company called. Um, Lone Star EV in Texas, and um, I I put him the question. You, know, you you set the world record a long long time ago, but you you know you've never been acknowledged. And he said, "Well, no one knows who Johnny Metric is, but everyone knows who Don Garlitz is." So mm. he goes, "I figured that helping Don Garlitz achieve the record, Don Garlitz is still chasing the two hundred mile an hour barrier, which he's very close to to getting." Anyway, so we had a, a pretty a full-on conversation, obviously a couple of drag races, um, chatting about performance of vehicles and motors and so on. He's got a new motor out. It's called the Event Horizon, <laughs> right? And he's got another one that I can't talk about, uh, which is called the Extinction Event, right? But the one that we were chatting about, 3,000 horsepower wow. from a single motor. This is Event Horizon. Mm. Wow, that is incredible. So he's got a Facebook page, mm-hmm. Lone Star EV Racing. Yep. Check it out, Johnny Metric. Um, what what he's doing is some of the craziest stuff that anyone has ever done. He really knows how to deal with high currents because um, he spent his entire life working uh, vacuum kilns, yep. which run on DC apparently. So he knows how to... He knows how to control the power. Mm. Now, one of the cars that he's currently building is a GD40 replica that's going to be powered by one of those Event Horizon 3000 horsepower motors for the Texas mile. Oh, wow. Yes. His goal is 300 mile per hour. Jeez. So stay tuned because I'm going to keep tabs on the progress. I'll be designing the chassis. Um... There's uh, some some drivetrain photos. They tried to run the dragster just recently um, to test the motor, and they used to run a two-speed Lenko behind the four-motor setup. The single motor with the two-speed Lenko was still too violent, so now they've done a direct drive, and he's still struggling. He said to me that the biggest problem that he's faced that he didn't even think about was in a in a alcohol dragster or a fuel dragster. You've got downforce being generated from the exhaust mm. pipes, from the, the headers, the zoomies. Yep. And with the electric motor, you've got nothing. Mm. So um, 
I had a bit of a chat to him about putting a four link in it or something to try and generate the force. Okay. But, yep. um, anyway, we'll, we'll just keep tabs on that one because I think, you know, I, I think that it's not the six second barrier he's looking for. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's looking for the equivalent of top fuel. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. No, I didn't know. I didn't actually know that that car had broken the record. I have you show me that video. We should share that on our Facebook. That, that was page. back in two thousand and fourteen. Yeah, yeah. And it was he, a long he, time um, he, yeah, he smashed the record for any EV, mm. and he never claimed it because he, he said to me, he goes, you know, who who knows who Johnny Metric is? Well, I knew who Johnny Metric was. So. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, we'll have to keep our eyes peeled for that, and uh, I'll share that on our Facebook page. So we should crowdfund when he gets this GD40. Yeah, crowdfunding to come over for race wars. <laughs> well, speaking of getting back to race wars, Cash Days is back for 2020 as well. So um, Jordan will be hosting Cash Days for 2020. That'll be under the lights of race wars. So my question to those listening, I wonder if the BA is eligible. Nah, oh, nah, jeez. Nah, man. Little faith. <laughs> nah, nah. I, We're I, gonna bring the Evo anyway. Had a couple of customers that um, went in it, and there was that many rules governing this, that, and the other. I mean, it, look, that's the thing. I think that if you're gonna run things like that, it should be run what you brung. Hope you brung enough because mm. the racing surface is gonna determine how quick you're gonna go. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. Like you can go down there with any tires; it's not really gonna make any difference. I proved it when we used to race the um, blue light regional stuff that the worse the track is, the worse tyre you want to run mm. because, it, it, you know, at um, Carnarvon... Carnarvon, yeah. Yeah, it just destroyed the slicks. Mm. Destroyed them one lap and you threw those slicks in the bin. So I I ran more like an off-road tyre <laughs> because, mm. you know, the track was that bad and uh, had a lot of success there. So um, this you, is the same thing. Were you racing on the runway at Carnarvon or out on the highway? No, Carnarvon runway. Yeah, okay. At the airport, airport there. Because they do run them on the highway as well. I don't know if I'd feel comfortable with anything with any real power mm. because of the camber. We run yeah. a lot of camber in Australia yeah. on our roads, and that will tend to make the thing, you know, whereas runways are generally mm. reasonably flat. The thing with the runway is that um, there's not a lot of tread on, well, there's not, traditional style tread on aeroplane tires they have more like a, a dune buggy sand tire type tread you know just with mm. some simple lines in it so the ground itself is made from uh, the the bitumen is very coarse aggregate mm. the idea is to allow the water to dissipate through the coarse aggregate so it does tear up on the tires but yeah. you know yeah i mean yeah I, I i don't know i think to be honest with you nick i think all these types of events you kind of got to be in the purple circle. It's as simple as that. Well, <laughs> they make be- exceptions for certain cars, and then yeah. other cars, they go, oh, he's got too much power. Oh, look, he's got a scoop hanging out of the bonnet. Oh. Mm. Okay. <laughs> it's noisy. Tell him to turn the volume down. <laughs> anyway, I've been talking to a guy, a gentleman up in Carnarvon, and he's keen to do something up there, but I just don't have the... Not the time, but just the... There, there is enough airstrips in you know that that uh central northern mm. uh western australia that you could run a series mm. you know not a lot uh unlike 
um, drag challenge or drag week, but on unprepared mm. uh, surfaces, yep. like a, um, you know, NTR style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, the thing is, it, it, there's a big difference between the way races over here go about racing compared to, you know, say, in America, drag week. Um, drag week, uh, everyone that I've spoken to that's competed in it always says that half the fun is actually making it, mm. <laughs> like making it to the end. Yeah. And, uh, you know, people have a crack even though they know that they haven't got a chance of, of winning it. Whereas what I've noticed here is that we tend to want to make sure that we're going to win. Mm. And if, yeah. if it looks like we're not going to, we go, oh, yeah, yeah. you know. Grunt. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's uh, when we used to go racing, we used to have a laugh and mm. have some fun. Um, you missed the last time we took the car out, but you know we spent four hours standing around kicking tires. I went shopping. <laughs> we shopped me, Matt, and um, and uh, Brenton. No, 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 no. He was spewing. He was. He was not. He didn't want to be around him. No, uh, Travis. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we went down to Quinana Gate or something. Oh, that's a redeveloped shopping centre. They've mm. just fixed it up. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, same people go there, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so <laughs> and uh, yeah, did some food shopping oh, because yeah. um, one of the guys took a couple of parts off the car and they got left in Malaga. Oh, yeah. So, so <laughs> but it was a pretty laid back, you know, yeah, yeah. casual yeah. sort of... Um, yeah, so I don't know. It, it'd be good to put something together. I mean, I think we've got enough places in WA that you could do something, hmm. but um, I don't think it'll ever happen. Yeah, <laughs> you're sounding so positive tonight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, look, I just want to wrap up with the Roscoe McGlashan interview, Todd and I. We did, we, that's actually been recorded and it's in the can. We just got to edit it. And uh, look, our our appreciation goes out to Roscoe and Barry and Roscoe's wife Cheryl for making us uh, so accommodating last Mate, week. Mate, I am week. so spewing that I couldn't make it to that. He's an absolute gentleman. He is. Yeah, um, we've had a great relationship over the years, and. Um, you know, I wish him all the best. I hope he smashes that record. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so that, that'll be coming out shortly. So Todd and I will get together and start uh, editing that. So looking forward to that coming out. Um, and uh, that's about it, Simon. I don't know if you've got anything else to add. No, not really. Yep. All right. Well, it's good to have you back here tonight and a bit of a low-key podcast, but that's good. And uh, unfortunately, Todd wasn't able to make it, but he'll be back in two weeks' time, no doubt, and uh, we'll go from there. I think I'll be back to normal after I get some sleep. Yep. In yep. about probably 15, 16 years. (laughs) (laughs) It's, uh, yeah, it's a funny, funny old time. Oh. Children. How was Father's Day? Oh, it was excellent. Yeah, it was good. It was good. I had mum and dad over and cooked up a barbie and my sister as well. So, yeah, that no, was a great day. We went to uh, Nicole's parents' place. Mm-hmm. It was great. I fell asleep on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> that was your father's day? Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> well, 
congratulations on another Father's Day for you and uh, or to all the fathers out there. I hope you had a great Father's Day and uh, you had enjoyed, got some, lots of gift. I had breakfast in bed from the kids, so that was good. They did a good job, actually. Yeah, I don't think my kids are quite old enough for that. <laughs> no, I no, look forward not. to it. It is good. It is good fun. <laughs> All right, Simon, on that note, we'll call this one quits. And uh, thanks for coming in, and uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks' time. Thanks for having us, Nick. No worries. See you. See you in the street. Talk and Power, your motorsport and motoring radio show. Now on 88.5 FM, the valley comes alive. And podcasting across iTunes and talkandpower.com.au.